chapter 9, verses 9 to 17. That's Zechariah chapter 9, verses 9 to 17. And I'll give you just a moment to find that in your Bibles. Verse 9. Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and victorious, lowly and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem. And the battle bowl will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. As for you, because of the blood of my covenant with you, I will free your prisoners from the waterless pit. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now, I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. I will bend Judah as I bend my bow and fill it with Ephraim. I will rouse your sons, Zion, against your sons, Greece, and make you like a warrior's sword. Then the Lord will appear over them. His arrow will flash like lightning. The Sovereign Lord will sound the trumpet. He will march in the storms of the south. And the Lord Almighty will shield them. They will destroy and overcome with sling stones. They will drink and roar as with wine. They will be full like a bowl used for sprinkling the corners of the altar. The Lord their God will save his people on that day as a shepherd saves his flock. They will sparkle in his land like jewels on a crown. How attractive and beautiful they will be. Grain will make the young men thrive and new wine the young women. The second reading is taken from the book of Luke and it's chapter 19, verses 28 to 40. So that's Luke chapter 19, verses 28 to 40. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem. As he approached Bethpage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you. And as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, 
Its owners asked them, Why are you untying the colt? They replied, The Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may have seen uh, this week, uh, the uh, BBC ran an article uh, online uh, called The Month That Everything Changed. Uh, it was very um, interesting to read, just charting uh, all that's happened over this recent time and just how much has changed for, uh, for us um, in these uh, past few days and weeks. And then every now and again, I guess a time comes along like that. Uh, my mind uh, goes back often to that uh, Monday uh, a couple of weeks ago when uh, Prime Minister Boris Johnson uh, said that he was going to make an announcement. Uh, 8.30 in the evening, uh, the desk was, was made ready, uh, you know, the, the flags in the background, the setting, everything sort of signalled that a really big announcement was coming, that things were going to change. Uh, and of course, since then, many of us have, uh, have experienced those, uh, the change of, of things being uh, cancelled and closed, of events having to stop, of, of businesses um, uh, being able to um, having to to, um, to close uh, for the time being. Uh, we're in that uh, moment. I know a number of us this week um, will have perhaps heard the news that Wimbledon uh, is the, the latest uh, to be uh, uh, to be cancelled and the sadness that will bring uh, this summer. But it has been a real season of change, hasn't it? And the reason I mention those things is that the passage that we have, and as we start this um, uh, beginning of Holy Week together, uh, Luke chapter 19 is the beginning of that kind of week. Uh, Jesus um, has been uh, in the gospel, traveling around um, uh, the regions, uh, towns and villages in uh, Judah for three years doing his ministry. Um, and now we're at a turning point. We're at a, a moment where everything begins to change. It, it's the big city. Uh, it's Jerusalem. Uh, Jerusalem has been on the horizon for some time in Luke. And now we are here and now things get serious. Uh, if this was a film, this would be the point at which the drama uh, suddenly intensifies uh, and things go up a notch and you know you're into that final um, stage of the film. And it is because what is happening here is an announcement that Jesus is the promised king. That Jesus is the promised king and that this is the beginning of the week that changed the world. There are two ways that Luke shows us uh, this and we're going to look at them and if you've got a Bible I'd love you to follow along with me. The first um, are in the prophecies that we see and the second 
in the praises that Jesus gets, the prophecies and the praises. And so the first of those is the prophecies. And uh, what we read from verse 28 is that after Jesus had said this, he went on ahead going up to Jerusalem. Uh, as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you as you enter it, you'll find a colt tied there, uh, which no one has ever ridden, uh, untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why you're untying it, say the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he told them. And as they were untying the colt, its owner said, why are you untying the colt? And they answered, the Lord needs it. Uh, the, uh, the details here are picking up on prophecies that came in the book of Zechariah, uh, chapter 9, we heard read a little later. When Jesus says, go and find this uh, colt, this donkey, um, he knows that he is fulfilling Old Testament words uh, written long before. And Zechariah chapter 9 depicts a, uh, a, a brilliant and marvellous king who will come and rescue God's people from the desperate situation they are in. He is going to bring them back together. He's going to restore uh, them uh, to, their, to their place. He's going to uh, rule over them with righteousness and goodness. Um, and he's this marvellous king. But Zechariah 9 tells us uh, that he would arrive on a donkey, on a colt. Now, the detail is um, perhaps a strange one, but it does have some history. In uh, Back further into the Old Testament, uh, in 2 Samuel uh, 16, if you want to look it up later on, King David uh, was at one point um, uh, given a donkey uh, to ride on. So there is a picture of um, uh, King David, of a Davidic king, um, who did that. Uh, the prophecy then speaks of God's uh, um, sort of great king who would come and would ride on a donkey. So when this happens, that's what we're seeing in Jesus. As he says, uh, go and find this cult. It's not, uh, um, it's not without the significance of Zechariah. The second part of the prophecy that um, Luke draws our attention to comes with the Mount of Olives, where they are. The place really matters to Luke. Uh, and he mentions it twice. He talks about it in verse 28. And then down in verse 37, he says, well, they came uh, to the road that goes down the Mount of Olives. Now, in Zechariah chapter 14, we're told that this is the place where the king would um, show who he was, and he would come and stand and fight for his people. So it's a, it's a really important location. Uh, and when he says that, this is a picture of uh, Jesus coming like that king who was spoken of. And so it means that what Luke is saying to us is these things aren't accidents. It's not a coincidence that Jesus gives these commands that directs them to, to the cult, uh, that he has this donkey that he comes in on. It's not a coincidence that uh, he's at the Mount of Olives at this point. All these things are signalling that he is the promised king. They are, uh, for somebody who's listening carefully, Jesus making this announcement, uh, a bit like when Prime Minister Johnson uh, sat at the desk, uh, had the flags ready, you knew that something was coming. So if somebody is listening carefully, they would have seen this and thought, aha, something is happening here. 
an announcement is being made, something is coming. So the prophecies point to Jesus as the promised king, and so do the praises in the second half of the um, passage that we had read. And the praises, um, so they, uh, they, they bring the donkey to Jesus, and they, uh, we're told they throw their cloaks on the colt, uh, and then they put Jesus on it. And as he went along, people spread their cloaks um, on the road. Uh, when he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully uh, to praise God in loud voices uh, for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Now, some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to, uh, to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they kept quiet, the stones will cry out. So the praises also point to Jesus as the promised king. Let me um, try and show you. Jesus is getting the red carpet treatment, or maybe it's the grey cloak treatment um, in, in that point. Um, and what they are praising God for is really um, worth seeing. They're praising him for the miracles uh, that Jesus has done. Uh, in loud voices, all the miracles they had seen. Think for a moment about uh, what we've seen in the past few weeks when we've been studying the early chapters of Luke. The paralysed man who was healed. Uh, the man with the shriveled hand uh, who is healed. Uh, the leper who is cleansed. All of these uh, miracles, which I guess if you and I had been there to experience them, they would live so long in our memories, wouldn't they? Uh, the extraordinary nature of what it must have been like to see Jesus heal somebody. Uh, and what wouldn't we give uh, to have Jesus alongside us physically now and be able to do those things? Um, extraordinary miracles that he's done. They also praise him as the king. Uh, and it's noted in verse 38, blessed is the king uh, who comes in the name of the Lord. Um, and those words uh, are taken from a psalm, Psalm 118, and they picture God's people gathering together uh, to praise God as their king, to, to unite in that praise of him. So Jesus is being identified as, uh, as the king. And then those words come, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And um, I don't know if you perhaps, they, they might remind you a little of what happens when um, Jesus is born and the, uh, the angels make the announcement, um, uh, glory to God in the highest. And, and heaven uh, is being praised for all that God is doing in and through this King Jesus who has walked the earth with them. So there is something of them looking back on, on what has happened and saying, look, this, this is a, a, an astonishing king, a marvellous king who has done these things. And that is where the um, Pharisees' criticism um, really starts to jar slightly. Um, you know, when they say, um, you know, teacher, rebuke your disciples. Um, do you, ever, you know that phrase, um, uh, read the room uh, and the phrase read the room can you can you kind of get uh, can you get the temperature of actually what uh, is going on here I was thinking to myself imagine if you were at a, a garden party and you were invited to Buckingham Palace uh, for one of the, the Queen's garden parties and if you were there and imagine if uh, you were enjoying all the festivities um, and, uh, and perhaps it was out in the sunshine and um, enjoying that and then somebody began to loudly complain that they thought the Queen was getting too much attention. You know, it, was, it would jar, wouldn't it? It would be a bit um, just strange. And that's kind of what uh, 
um, the Pharisees are here, and you, you think, can you not read the room, guys? Can you not get to what's going on? Um, but actually, their criticism points out the fact that everyone was praising Jesus as the kind of king that he was. Um, and those praises really matter. And so Jesus' reply is so interesting because he then says, if, if they didn't praise, the rocks would cry out, the stones would cry out. He's basically saying all creation would inevitably carry on praising because the praises point to who Jesus is as this promised king. So the prophecies uh, point to him as the promised king. Uh, the praises point to him as the promised king. And what, Luke, what is Luke trying to do? Why is he giving us this? He's doing it because he wants to show us there is a much bigger moment happening at this point. Here is the Messiah coming into Jerusalem. Here is the promised king coming into the city of kings. Uh, in the Old Testament, whenever uh, God's people um, did finally have a, a king in place in Jerusalem, it was always a huge moment. It was always key for who they were, and it was part and parcel of God's promises to them as his people. And, and Luke is saying, look, this is that moment. This is where we are. And so that's why this is the beginning of the week that changed everything. Uh, the week that changed everything, both for them now and for us. I was reflecting on the past couple of weeks after the Prime Minister's announcement, and I had said to somebody at the time that the last time at which I had remembered um, that feeling of the world um, changing and, and turning on its axis almost was the events of 9-11. Um, some years ago, um, and there may be other points that you could remember that uh, remind you of that similar sense of, um, of just things dramatically changing almost in an instant. And that's uh, what I remembered from um, uh, just a couple of weeks ago, that feeling. Um, and I guess you, I can look back now um, uh, to those events and see how they did change things after 9-11. Right now, one of the um, it's unusual things, I guess, is that feeling of not quite knowing what is going to change or what will happen after this. And we, we live with that at the moment. And, and it's a bit like that with, with Luke here, because at this point, as, as Jesus is arriving, uh, you could say if you were just working through those events for the first time, you don't yet know uh, exactly what uh, is going to happen. There's a sense of anticipation, there's a sense of uncertainty, but you don't know the significance quite yet at this point. Uh, it will come, but the signals are there. Uh, that's what Luke is telling us. Uh, the donkey um, uh, is one of those. And we are in the position now of being able to look back with hindsight. And, and as we can look back, we can see how significant that was and how important those signals are. But we, we get, we're able to do that. Um, I was trying to think of a way of illustrating this. Um, and I was thinking about uh, a film that came out a couple of years ago. Um, it's a relatively little film called um, Lady Bird. Um, it had uh, uh, Saoirse Ronan um, was the actress in it. Um, it was directed by Greta Gerwig. Um, now, I guess at the time, you might have, you might have watched that and thought, oh, it's, a, it's a, an interesting film. People liked it and it, it was well um, appreciated. But a couple of years later... They then uh, worked together 
on another film called Little Women, which uh, a number of you may have seen, uh, lots of uh, publicity, did very well, and Saoirse Ronan was uh, nominated for an Oscar, and you know, lots of acclaim around this. And there's a kind of hindsight process where you can look back, and now you can look back and see the earlier film, the much smaller film, and think, ah, okay, so that's what, that, that was going to lead to something. If they hadn't done anything else, you might have just thought, well, there was a, there was a film and uh, that was nice. But it, it led on to something that was much more significant. And that's my kind of attempt to get that sense of, as we can look back now with hindsight, um, that strange story, uh, if you think about it, Sarah mentioned it earlier, Jesus arrives in on a donkey. It, it's a really odd um, thing in lots of ways. Actually, as we look back, that was day one of the week that would change the world. It was day one of the promised king arriving to do battle with sin and death. I don't want to give too many spoilers away. I want us to work through this week together, hopefully. But this week will change everything. By the end of this week, Jesus will have died on a cross as we follow the events. And he would have died so that you and I might not have to face death. It's hard to get a, to, to communicate exactly how much changes. By the end of this week, he would have opened a new way to God that was never there before. Uh, he would have made it possible to, to be in the presence of God in a way that was never there before. Uh, he will have, um, through his death and through his resurrection, will have opened our eyes to resurrection bodies. Uh, and all the hope that brings, and the new creation, and everything that lies ahead. That is the significance of what he's doing. He will have begun the life of the early church, focused around the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus, that we are now a part of, that our hindsight allows us to look back on and say, that is where we began. It's that order of magnitude. It's, it's that significant. And so can I encourage us, fill your minds with this, this Holy Week. Fill your minds with the events uh, of Jesus' unfolding story that took him to his death. Uh, I know many of us uh, are struggling with uh, news feeds that come in uh, every day, um, uh, particularly news feeds that bring uh, uh, information about the number of cases and the number of deaths, and they can fill our minds. And we need to, we need to make sure that's not the only thing uh, that we have, uh, uh, that we're engaging with, the story of Jesus' death and resurrection. And can I encourage us to fill our minds with that? There's a, I was thinking about the fact that the, the 5 p.m. daily bulletins, um, they're really helpful, they're really important. Uh, they have their own liturgical rhythm to them, if I can put it like that. Uh, we gather, uh, people listen, uh, there is uh, information, uh, communication is given, there are responses perhaps from uh, questions and so on. And it has almost a liturgical rhythm. And we need to make sure, good and important though it is, that we are into this week uh, building in just structured time to, uh, to read, to engage with the gospel narrative again, uh, to make sure it's not the only thing that we fill our minds with is what comes through uh, at those points. Um, I'm going to um, uh, try and make sure our, our social media feeds can um, link to a couple of um, simple uh, um, reading plans just for this week uh, that you could perhaps do on your own, you could do with somebody or as part of a family, and you may be doing things already, uh, but just ways to, to work through this week and to fill our minds 
with what was coming and why it was so significant and to make sure that is the perspective in which we hold what is happening even here and now. Uh, that that perspective of the promised king arriving, that he was coming to do battle with sin and death, that he was coming to make it uh, possible for us to know God, uh, that he was coming to, through his death and resurrection to make that possible, a resurrection hope and a new creation for you and for me. Amen.